Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here with Dan Redman, as always. Man, in this episode, we're probably going to hit on a number of things, but we want to really discuss, uh, and we've we've talked about these themes, uh, these topics that we're going to hit on, but just this idea of of confusion uh, in in truth, in knowledge, in who to believe, what to believe. Uh, you could say it's a product of our postmodern culture where we live in a world of relativity. Um, uh, we live in a world of skepticism. Uh, we live in a world where the objective doesn't really exist. And yet, at the same time, we still have, I mean, we're still creatures made in the image of God. And we know as Christians that the objective world does exist, that truth does exist, that there really is um, r- real reality. Uh, it's not just you know, whatever you think it is. It's not whatever you just decide it is. Uh, so what you'll find is, you even see this in the Christian church. You see you see all sorts of different beliefs. You know, Dan, you just kind of experienced about, or this, you were just up in Michigan, and again, mm-hmm. you kind of mm-hmm. ran, ran into this reality of, man, there's Christians that are just all confused and believe yep. all sorts of different things. Yep. And why is that the case? What's going on yeah. with, with that? Yeah, it's fascinating to me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you're asking me the question? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, yeah it's an interesting – this is part of the reason we're doing the podcast, right? Because this was an interesting conversation that I've seen over and over, like over and over. And there's so many little tentacles to this that will be fun to kind of explore. But could I – let me just step back and say this. Yeah. I, I'm convinced <laughs> – not just me. It's true. Uh, we live in a real world. It's how I say it. And what I mean by a real world, like it's really, really real. Yeah. Okay? It's not just um, – smoke and mirrors it's not just a fantasy it's not theory it's not a video game it's real and right. god it's created an illusion it. in your mind right and so it's easy to say that but you need to really think like when i say my first um domino in any of my conversation or presupposition is that god really does exist yeah not as a concept but like the true living personal infinite god actually exists right that's really something you have to get your mind around and then out of him, he's the ultimate reality. He created a real world mm. that actually functions a real way. It's very objective, you could say it that way. Mm-hmm. And it's objective in the sense of both seen and unseen. Mm. It's a material world and an immaterial world. Mm-hmm. And it comes together. And mm-hmm. he gives us knowledge about that world. And we've talked about that in so many podcasts. And yeah. if anybody has followed us, they'd know, like, I beat that drum all the time. But I just find it fascinating because... On a number of levels, and we'll probably get there because we've talked about this, you know, prior to this. That's why we're having this conversation. But even intellectuals today, say atheistic or agnostic intellectuals, as you've been saying, you know, we could use names. We could talk about Sam Harris, who's a big atheist, you know, kind of against Christians, sort yeah. of in debates. And you could say uh, uh, Jordan Peterson, who's really an interesting guy, and he's been doing these podcasts with intellectuals. And it's fascinating because these guys that have kind of beat this drum of agnosticism and I can't really believe and, and maybe even to the point of saying there is no God. Yeah. You got a guy like Sam Harris today who's exploring Buddhism or yeah. some kind of transcendental, right? Right. Which means transcendent. He he recognizes there has to be something behind all of this that's some kind of unifying something mm. that even unifies humanity. That when you talk about something, you and I both can talk about s- you know, some aspect of something, and I know what's going on in your mind, and you know what's going on in my mind, but that assumes that there's something outside of us that we're both reflecting off of. Exactly. I hope I didn't lose people there, but you think about it. Like when I say a tree, 
I know pretty much that that concept of tree that I'm looking at out the window right now, you have that concept in your mind. Yeah. Well, the reason we both can have that concept is it's not just a fantasy in your mind. There actually is a tree out there. Right. So right. when we start talking about the world, it's just fascinating. They're all wrestling with this, this trying to come to this unifying thing, and people are talking about it. And I hear even politicians, I don't want to go there too far, but like talking about the unifying thing in America, and we've lost the unifying thing. And it's fascinating to me because the unifying thing is God himself. Mm. <laughs> and so... Well, they don't want to go there. They sort of do go there because you have to mm -hmm. because it's a real world again. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. You can't like escape. You, you can't escape a real world. And so with that, we start going down this road um, that could be really, really intellectually, I mean, like academically, scholarly about these fancy words, epistemology. Mm -hmm. Again, a lot of your guys, people in podcasts may not even know what that means. It just means how do you know something? Yeah. How, how do you we, know what you know? How do we know what we know? How do we come to a conclusion that you can actually know something? Mm -hmm. And when you deal with the real world, it's fascinating because, again, I had these conversations and I was actually speaking in a couple settings up in Michigan. Um, you get with people, it's fascinating to me, say a rancher or a farmer or outdoorsman or 5,000 years of human history mm -hmm. where most people, I mean the vast majority, 99.9%, were in touch with the land, were in touch with a real world. Yeah. And so you could come up with all the theory you want. But when it comes down to, you know, putting a spring in an engine, <laughs> you know, a real cow in a real field, it's got to be fed when it's, you know, 10 degrees and it's going to die. Yeah, yeah. Like, you deal with a real world. Yeah. Theory goes out the window. Yeah. It's it's no longer theory. Or an electrician, you know, I have Trey's guys there, electrician, like, on the other side of that outlet, again, I'm looking at Sam's, I'm in his office looking at that wall, is a monster. It's called electricity. And if you don't honor that thing, it's going to kill you. Yeah. And it's right on the other side of that it's wall. Like it's a metal right. knife in there. And it's real. And the point is, is you have to do, you can't, it's not just theory and play games. Yeah. And so when we get to this issue of epistemology, what I find is, uh, and this is what comes up, like when I go to other places and travel places, it's interesting to me. I find this like, this confusion out there, like this milieu of fog. Yeah. So I was call, talking to a couple Older, older. I'd say older. You know, I'm, I'm old. You know, I'm in sixties now. Whatever you want to think of old. You'd call me old, Sam. It's funny. Yeah, I'll call you old. Okay, you can. <laughs> I don't mind. Yes, some young guy your age. Yeah, they called me an old geezer. <laughs> like, oh, really? And I even told him, I said, you want to fight? Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out who's the old geezer here. So, but, but seriously, I was up North Texas. Some dear people, dear friends, and they were talking about. They're nervous about, uh, you know, churches putting in women as pastors. Mm -hmm. And you and I have done a whole series on this, so I'm not afraid to say yeah, that. I'm like, people no, know, the, if you've listened to it, you know. The, the Bible's real that. clear on this. Yeah, and it's not cool. just a rule on a paper. God made it a certain way. Right. And I don't want to go down that road and explain it all here. You can go back and listen to podcasts. Yes, God did say about you know women leadership in churches and all that stuff. But when he said it, it's not just like a rule on a paper, which should be fine anyway if God said it. But it's like, no, he built a real world to real. work a certain way. Right. And he built men a certain way and women a certain way. Right. And they're both divine. And they're both huge, high dignity and lofty uh, gifts and callings. Yeah. Not diminishing. This is not a diminishing of anything. It's just saying, no, but there are specific things they've been called to do. And so all I'm saying is that I'm talking to these people in their 80s, and they're going, I guess I'm just old school is what they said to me. Yeah. I guess I just come out of an old school, and I just don't see it. And I remember looking at the one gal, and I said, um, you're not old school. She, I'm not. I'm like, no, you're biblical. Right. <laughs> it's because you actually believe the Bible. Yeah. 
and much of your life has been, and she wasn't always a believer. She came to a believer later, actually later in life, not later in life, but like midlife. She, you know, wasn't even just a kid. She came to, her and her husband came to know the Lord, and I don't know, they were in their 30s or 40s, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and they've lived a long life, but they've walked with God, and they know the Word, mm-hmm. and it's so um, impregnated in their soul that this mm-hmm. just seems wrong, and this, so they're thinking, well, maybe it's just because I'm old and I come out of a different tradition. Mm-hmm. Well, not really, mm-hmm. unless you want to call the tradition biblical, but right. it's because they actually believe the Bible. Yeah. And this is, it doesn't, and again, the, even the word, it struck me when I was up there, the word in the political realm is this idea of being conservative, okay? So I don't even want to go the political realm conservative, but conservative generally means like we had truth, two plus two was four, and it's always been four. Yeah, it's not changing. We're trying to conserve that. Right. We yeah. want to conserve that. So it's, that's not wrong. It's not like this evil word. And can we want to um, uh, hang on some things sometimes that are wrong, Maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, that's fair. But the point of conservative is like, no, there's certain things that are true and they're always going to be true. Yeah. And so God is there and he spoke and Christians fundamentally have always believed the same thing for mm-hmm. 2,000 years since Christianity. Even before that, we can go in the Old Testament and say, no, there's things that have always been. And so it just found, I found this interesting, an interesting conversation because you find this kind of fog that I would say... You know, again, we've talked about this in podcasts, but ideological, okay? That means like ideas. Um, you could pull it out of postmodernism. You could pull it out of the, you know, the maturation, maturity of modernism that turned into postmodernism. And our young generation is all kind of caught in all of this, this relativism mm-hmm. and can we know truth and we really shouldn't be able to speak for truth. And when you do speak for truth, somehow that makes you evil, fundamentalist, right. dogmatic, judgmental. I mean, I've seen all those labels even yep. labeled at me. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. I'm just trying to be a biblical guy. I'm just saying, no, I actually think God exists and he actually spoke. And so, yeah, yeah. you know, um, but it turns into what's known as ad hominem. They're going to make a Back claim about you. And it almost looks like you're really sophisticated and you really can think, you know, and I would put it in the term of the, it, you're a progressive Christian. This thing called progressive Christianity because you don't really know. So let's have a conversation. Let's discuss right. this and and let's let's think Open about this to new ideas, new ideas, and let's talk about this as if it's theory. And there's a bunch of things. I'm like, well, it's not theory. God actually spoke about this. Yeah. You know, uh, I like the the quote that Rosaria Butterfield said about you know again it was being called gay Christianity, which is just an oxymoron. It's yeah. just no, there's no such thing. But she said, I, 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 you think she's speaking to somebody in the kind of this progressive, things are changing, things are different world. She's speaking to that, like, I don't know if it's a specific person, but people like that. Mm-hmm. And she would say, you think we're walking in the forest looking at trees from different angles, but I find myself walking yeah. in a completely yeah. different forest. Yeah. And that's what I find. I find like, no, and I feel t- terrible for all these, here's these in this case, 20 years older than me, wonderful, godly people who think, you know, the world's passed me by, I'm older now, and I just think in an old-fashioned way. Yeah. And they're being, you know, in sort of sense, the message given to them, yeah, you're just old-fashioned, you're just not in touch with the times. Right. And I'm going, no, no, you're actually biblical. Right. It's not because you're old-fashioned, it's because you actually believe what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a way of introduction, but it's like well, maybe more than introduction. Well, I just I think it's fascinating conversation because we have all these people who are confused. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's think about this postmodern. I mean, we we talked about postmodernism a little bit, but I mean, that was man, we did that podcast twenty nineteen, maybe I think. Yeah, twenty eighteen. We talked yeah. about it, so yeah. it's been a it's been a while since yeah. we've actually kind of hit on these postmodern themes again. And right. Now my juices are flowing a little bit. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. And 
you know, I like to talk about Jordan Peterson, but one of the things that he likes to hit on is th- there's postmodernism is a really interesting, a really, really interesting thing. And, you know, part of it is it rejects meta narratives, it rejects overarching story that uh, you could say an overarching reality that explains everything. And it's objective, that's applicable that's to everybody. Meta narrative. Yeah, meta narrative. There, there's no story, no one story that can. Pull it all together. Yeah, pull it all together. That's true for everybody in every time and place. Yeah, so Everything, every truth. It's a rejection of that. Yeah, it's a rejection of that. It's a skepticism of that. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, these things, morality, truth, ethics, whatever, that it's socially constructed yeah. in a time and a place using language. So uh, the thing with that then is you would assume that there would be this, if, the, if postmodernism is true, which you know does that's kind of doesn't make any sense because it's a rejection of objective truth in a sense yet it's yeah. making truth claims right it's contradictory but nonetheless let's just go with it right uh, if there is no objective reality or objective meta narrative and we could never discover it if there was one well then there shouldn't really be this animosity to different beliefs or different systems of thought yeah. You know, you people over there, you got your culture shaped by your language and your customs and your history. Okay, fine. Go do what you want to do. Yeah. You over there, you got yours yeah. and shaped by your language. Even if one of those is, you're really dogmatic and old-fashioned fundamental, doesn't matter. Doesn't What's matter. That's where you, where you come from, so okay. Yeah. Right. So you have all these you have all these different systems right. of thought right. shaped by language, shaped by your yep. whatever, your history, your culture. Yeah. Doesn't matter. And yet, what we find in the postmodern world and people who embrace postmodern thought is that they actually have a, a real uh, distaste and rejection of certain systems of thought right. and ways of life. Right. So they're not consistent postmodernists because they shouldn't care whatever the other people think. Yeah. Because it's all allowed. It's all allowed. Well, theoretically. Theoretically. It's yeah. all allowed. But nobody, it's all allowed. nobody lives that way. Exactly. And the, which proves that the point. Proves the point that there actually is a real world. Right. So, and so they think the real world is postmodern, but it's inconsistent. It's but, inconsistent. Well, but, but then they try to hang on to it in a certain way. So then, what's going on? Well, right. what's going on is well, one, there really is a real world. There really is a real meta narrative. There right. really is objective morality. Yeah. Two, uh, postmodernism is actually those who are propagating it, or promoting it, or calling themselves postmodernists, or embracing it, are are far more political than anything else. They have a political agenda, hmm. and and you see that, okay. Okay, let me stop you there yeah. a minute, okay? So there's two things that, that I want to say. I want you to define political agenda sure. when you use that word. But I want to step back one step just real quick so we don't lose it. I don't want to lose this train of thought. It's interesting to me, though, because you said people would call themselves postmodernists. What I'm more talking about in part is that people have embraced this idea of postmodernism in kind of this foggy, I don't know what else to call it. They've kind of sunk into it. Yeah, but they wouldn't call themselves – if you no. asked them, they'd say, oh, I'm not relativistic. No, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't call themselves postmodern. No. They wouldn't call us relativistic. No. But the way that they're approaching knowledge, the way they're approaching truth, the way they're approaching these conversations is postmodern relativist. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Oh, so yeah, we, we're we're talking about two different groups of people here. In it. Yeah. So we're saying you have your non-believing, let's say your atheistic, liberal, scholarly s- postmodernists. S- yep, postmodernists. Who? Yeah. Yet when you when you look at their life and you look at what they're saying, they actually have um, 
they actually think there's something objectively wrong. Right. So, you know, who is it? Is it Stephen Hicks? That sounds familiar. I might, I might be wrong on that, but he's a, a, a philosopher. He has a few things that just kind of show the absurdity of postmodernism. Like postmodernism, there is no objective morality, but but slavery is objectively evil. Yeah. You know, postmodern, there's no there's no objective morality, um, but but Western society is uniquely evil. You know, whatever, blah 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 blah. Right. So you have all these things. Like, wait a minute, you can't. No. Right. No. So when I'm, but then you have your Christian. Yeah, that's more what I'm talking about. I'm running into wonderful, sweet, you know, godly people that are, I would say these, you know, are good. But it's like they've been fogged over by this fog. Yeah, they've drank in the Kool-Aid. In some cases, they drink Kool-Aid and they're leading with drinking Kool-Aid. There's other people that are just confused by it. And I don't mean like they're ignorant. I mean like the person that's saying, well, I guess maybe I'm just old school. And I'm going to go, no, actually not. It's not just that you're old school. It's that you actually believe the truth biblically. It's always been there. Yeah. And you're being told that. You're put, you're put in this cute category. Well, you're just older and you're old school. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. So you have two things going on. You have yep. yeah, you have the person who on the will say, no, there is no objective reality, but yet still lives as though there is. Right. And then you have the person who says, no, there is objective morality or objective truth or, or objective reality, mm-hmm. i.e. the Christian, yet their life is tends to sh- kind of express the fact that they're confused about that. They're, I would say confusion, yeah. even in their time. That's yeah. what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. I actually felt bad for people. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, no, no, no. This is because people that you've been around in leadership that you've been around, even in the church, have drank this Kool-Aid and they're, and they're, and they're saying these statements, yeah. if you will, or somehow, however it comes through. And it's making it confusing. Confusing. That's that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what prompted us. I'm saying, hey, let's have this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I travel these different places in ministry, and I go to places, and it's fascinating. I walk, you know, these places and start having a conversation. I'm like, oh, I've heard this before. Yeah. Oh, I heard this before. I heard yeah. It. And it's like, it's like everywhere. Yeah. I envision it like, you know, this green cloud floating around. It's tainting everybody. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, no. It's like, wait a minute, time out. Somebody is not explaining this to you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's an epistemological crisis, which yep. means how you come to know truth. It's postmodernism, it's relativism. This is what. You know, again, behind all that, that's what's going on. Yeah. Right? And that's why it's it's such an interesting thing for Christians, this whole discussion about being confused. Like, yeah, I mean, we're – you could say at one side there's nothing new under the sun. Like you study history and you find, oh, actually, these arguments, these ideas, they were there. They've been around forever. Yeah. And if you're just a student of history, you find that n- – no, literally, there is nothing new under the sun. None of these ideas are really that novel. And that's why we can say, oh, they're they're grounded in Marxist thought. They're grounded in French philosophy. They're grounded in men like Rousseau and Nietzsche, yeah, yeah. And, and these guys. And you see these ideas there. Yep. And you see these ideas in ancient times. Right. And you see these ideas in the garden. Right. So none of this is new. But people, <laughs> this is a part of the deceptiveness and the evil of postmodernism. Is it's 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 this rejection really of of history too. Yeah. We can't learn anything from history. Right. That's for that time and that place. We don't need to look at it. Right. So, well, now people aren't studying history. So they kind of think, Ugh, we're in this novel, new, yeah. horrible reality. Well, no, not, it's not really that new. Same type of things, maybe repackaged. and. Right. So I didn't mean to sidetrack you. Go back to your political thing. You said they do play it up politically. How did you say that? Did I, did I yeah, they, they, they show that they have a political agenda. 
and um, and what do you mean by that? Right. When we're thinking political, we're thinking about we're thinking about um, politics. We're thinking about the government. We're thinking about uh, po- the polity, which means yep. the civil society. Yep. And we're thinking about those impositions of authority. Uh, our our legislator, you know, legislatures, uh, legislators. There we go. <laughs> our Senate, our representatives, um, our governors, people who are crafting actual policy. Yeah. That Which, will, well, it would include educators. Educators. And it, and it is increasingly boards. included and interesting, right? It's including now our um, our technocrats, yep. our, our people who have the means to deliver a message visa via uh, technology, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Twitter, Google, all this stuff. So, yeah, and at the end of the day, we're Facebook, talking about— yep. That's all part of it. We want to—when I say agenda, we want to pass certain laws and codify them and put them on the books— and then have that be imposed over a society. Yeah. So, so it's a control over society to get the society to, to arrive at an agenda that I want. That I want. Yes. And somebody is defining that. Yes. Whatever that or is. Or a group of people, or somebody yes. saying this is the way it ought to be. Yeah. 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 So you know, we could even say that hey, conservatives or even Christians could have a political agenda. Yeah, we have and, an agenda. Yeah, and say hey, I, I want do. abortion to be eradicated. Right. I want right. it to be illegal to kill a baby in the womb. Right. That's in a political agenda, and we right. say it's a right political agenda because we have authoritative truth. We have the word of God. Right. Again, back to epistemology. How do we know what's true? God spoke. So, yeah, that would be under the umbrella of a political agenda, okay. and I might uh, try to use uh, my words and and my vote and my money right. to try to put people in place to pass those laws. Right. Okay. Okay. That, so when I say – we go back to postmodernism, right. and I say – well, postmodern theory, technically, it should be everything's fine because there's no objective meta narrative, there's no objective truth. Right. So w- there shouldn't be a political agenda. Should not be. There should not be. Yeah. You're speaking from Minnesota again. Shouldn't. shouldn't. Oh, yeah. Sorry. My Minnesota accent. Whatever. You know, it's, I've heard it's getting not. a little bit better now that I've been down in Kansas for a little bit, but it's yeah, still. Yeah, because we speak, we speak true English here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kansas is a. It's supposed to be, because it's so centralized, it's supposed to be the place that doesn't really have an accent. I know. But whatever. Anyway, back to political agenda. <laughs> okay. So what we what we find is these people who call themselves right. postmodernists, okay. who embrace um, this, this theory of relativity, what you find is they have a political agenda, which means they are – they're intentionally pushing for yep. – Certain policies and laws yeah. to be codified right. that have that that are that embrace that uh, defend that push forward a certain morality or view of reality. Right. Certain, so you have this is where we get into discussions on critical race theory. Yeah. This is where we get into discussions on LGBTQ uh, education in elementary schools or in schools in general. Right. Uh, this is where we get into conversations on vaccines and masks right. and mass mandates and and yeah. lockdowns. So all of that, because it has to do with policies and laws, then comes under the umbrella of, you know, yeah, politics. Right. And so if you're pushing for a certain law mm-hmm. or policy, you have a political agenda. Right. But again, you shouldn't have a political agenda if you're a postmodern, true, by the book, postmodernist. You shouldn't have one. But, yeah, but all these people do. Yeah. And what what are those what are their political what are these policies that they're trying to push? Yeah. Well, it's the whole it's 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 what we it's, us as Christians goes that's just anti-bible. 
Right. That's just not biblical that's, in any that's, way. That's what's interesting, yeah. right? Right. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, whatever you want to label it as, right? It's yeah. a combination. It's a secular. I think I think the big term probably, at least that what I go to, I just say secularization. Sec- Se- yeah. Secularism. Yep. And what do you mean by secularism? Okay, so again, you followed Sam and I in podcasts, you know, even Sam before I was around this world talking with in this podcast. And we really believe that God exists. And he really did communicate. He spoke. Yeah. You know, yeah. keep saying he spoke. But that that's the big thing. So I start there. Yeah. But um, if you don't start there, then if you, you remove God and say, we're going to start somewhere else. Yeah. Well, you end up with just man. Yep. Nothing, really. It's kind of bizarre. But you end up with man, and you're going to interpret the world through the, the, the uh, you know, the lens of starting with man. Mm-hmm. And um, that's secular, secu- secularism or secularization of a society. It's secular. Yeah. That's what we mean. So God's not in the picture to have the conversation. And that's looked on in our society currently, in our Western world, as neutral. Mm. Well, no, we all need to be kind of neutral, the, the, the public field of neutrality. Yeah. Secular. Well, it's not. That's neutral. religious. It's religious. It's actually religious. It, 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 it is not neutral. And so in that, in that, that larger construct, again, this is how I think about it. I don't know if somebody technically probably could challenge this, I suppose, but... Within secularism, then you end up with feminism. Mm-hmm. You end up with neo-Marxism. Mm-hmm. You end up with these, these. You know, you said CRT, mm-hmm. critical race theory. You end up with all these theories and these isms. Mm-hmm. That, at the end of the day, the way you get there mm-hmm. is you start with an interpretation of the world that doesn't include God and that He spoke, mm-hmm. right? And so all your social sciences. Mm-hmm. You know, I keep saying that about socio- you know, sociology, psychology. It's like. I have this nemesis about sociology. It's so funny. It's like I just kind of like ah. We, we Christians tend to have. And so <laughs> we don't so, like so and so. Let me let me qualify that in this conversation. I always want to. I'm like I'm not saying that this person that's studying sociology doesn't look at a society and look at some statistics and data and go, "Ha, huh, wow, there's this group of people and they tend to go this direction or make this conclusion or whatever it right. is." Yeah, you're looking at data just like anybody would. But the question is, is then you have to interpret that. And data. what lens are you interpreting it through? And then that's where it becomes like, yep. how are you interpreting this? Yeah. I'm not saying you didn't do some study and, you know, survey a thousand people and come up with these <coughs> this data, these right. data points. Okay, that's fine. You came up with data points. You know, one that like currently they would say, okay, we have people who struggle with sexual um struggles identity you know it's a transgender lgbtq put it you know all that and there seems to be this high suicide rate yeah okay so which i think that appoints kind of like oh yeah it's true they're miserable people yeah they're miserable and you and i'd say well yeah they're miserable because um they adopt an idea the contrary to god yep and though they they're compelled by it by their desires and longings, which we'd say, yeah, it's because of this thing sin. called sin. It's real. <laughs> they Makes actually, perfect sense to me. And, and welcome to all our worlds. We all have sinful desires. Yep. And then say, well, I was born this way. Well, you mean for as long as you can remember, you had these desires. Okay, I'm I'm with you there. Yep. We all have those too. It's because I'm sinful. That yeah. would be the Christian conceived in it. That would be the Christian interpretation because God said I'm sinful. Yeah. Right? Well, then there there's this data out there that says their suicide rate is really high. Yeah. Well, yeah, as a Christian, yeah, say, it doesn't me. surprise me. They're miserable. It's terrible. They're sad. They're depressed. They've rejected their design. Yep, they rejected their design. And so because they're going contrary to what God designed them for, they're going to be miserable. Yep. Well, then the suicide rate's high, right? Mm-hmm. So the interpretation is, oh, the reason this, see, this is a sociology, psychology, whatever world, their social sciences yep. interpretation is, it's because a whole group of people, i.e. Christians, are saying, 
you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. So, so, so because we won't accept it and, and applaud it, that's why they're miserable. Right. You see, that's an interpretation. Yep. It's like, no. And it's. You could get rid of this voice, this Christian voice. And on a given day, they might feel like, oh, see, now I'm satisfied. There's nobody telling me I'm wrong. In short order, they're going to be miserable mm-hmm. because it's completely contrary to the way that God designed it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we've talked about this in podcasts. We've talked about what happens, you know, the anger. The, it's just crazy, right? Yeah. It's just... And so I don't want to spend all our time on that. But the point is, is like, all I'm saying is there's these uh, isms and these ologies... Yep. That feed into the the bigger, and I just call it secularism. Yeah, we're going to interpret the world without God. Without God. Yep. yep. And then secularization is that gets kind of an indoctrination to the entire society around me. Yeah. So coming back full circle, that currently that secularism, postmodernism, is part of relativism it. is all part of that. Yeah. And I'm watching that in. Oh, even in God's people, that's my point. I go to churches, I see leaders, yeah. I see people who I'm like, okay, the reason this is a fog and the reason you're confused and struggling with this is because you're actually dabbling and been influenced mm. to one degree or another by this secularism. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. now, I know you wouldn't say that. You, you don't walk around going, I'm a relativist. You don't say it, but that's why you have come to these conclusions because mm-hmm. you have been influenced by it. Mm-hmm. That's the fogginess I'm seeing. Yeah, and then we'll we'll have this be another discussion on judging, but that's why. Yeah. You. Oh yeah. You know, somebody says, "Well, I'm whatever. You know, I'm I'm gay. I'm 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 transgender," and yeah. and you kind of have this gut reaction of, oh, "Well, I shouldn't I shouldn't question that. Right. I shouldn't judge to. that. I shouldn't. Yeah. Maybe you know, maybe they are. Maybe yeah. I am wrong. It's like, well, wait a minute. No, actually, no. There is objective truth. It's revealed in our Bible. Right. We know right and wrong. Yeah. God gave us. God gave us right. a standard, yeah. and I don't have to... Oh, yeah, well, and we need to do that, Sam, because yeah. what happens then is if I, you, any of us, stand and go, no, 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 God actually spoke about this, here's what it is. Yep. This There's this thing called ad hominem, right? Yep. And, well, you're fundamentalist, and you're, you know, you're judgmental, you're and, you're, and all these labels. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's time out. You're, you're saying, you're making a judgment. <laughs> you're a white male. You're making a judgment about me saying I shouldn't judge, but you just made a judgment, and your judgment about me is, yeah, I mean, we're getting off on yeah. this other podcast, but it needs to be discussed because, no, I'm just trying to be a biblical guy. I'm just trying to say I actually think God is there. He actually spoke about this issue, yep. and this is what he says. But, but there it is. You even just described again what we've been talking about, political agendas, even there, Yeah. of like, wait, there you're wrong. You as a Christian saying that this LGBTQ ideology is wrong, uh, they're saying, no, that's wrong. You having those views is wrong, yeah. and and we need to push what I believe yeah. that it's okay. And everybody has their right. They live so, according to. So a we standard. don't want to go off on the judging right now. We're just talking right. about this idea of this fog that I see out there. Okay. Yeah. So can, I don't know where you want to go, Sam, but you're studying. You're working on a PhD. Yeah. So you are in a world of scholarship right now. Yeah. That's what you are doing. And yeah. I, and I think that I don't know if this is a time to transition to that. That's but, fine. But I think it'd be an interesting part of the conversation. Because I live in a university town the last 25 years, yeah. and I'm with some really, really, I would actually say really smart people mm-hmm. that you know have PhDs and they're mm-hmm. scholars. Mm-hmm. But I found some interesting things there, and maybe you should carry on with your thoughts on PhD, but I found some interesting things that feed into this. Yeah, yeah. Throw them out there, and then we'll 
I'll pick them okay, up. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've said this forever. So you meet a guy who's really smart. I'm not saying they're not. And I'm saying they've devoted themselves to some area of study. Now, the idea about a PhD, you have to, you know, confirm this with me, Sam. I mean, I think I know what I'm talking about. But yeah. um, a PhD has to find this new area that hasn't really been explored or developed in the world of knowledge. I, I, I don't think they came up with quote unquote something new, but it's an area that needs to be explored and dug down deeply. And that's what their PhD is. They're, they're, they're going to take this one area in some area field of study and really go deep, really deep and in, in, you could even say narrow, very specific in some area. Am I yeah. saying that right? Am I describing that? Well, yeah, you have right? to, you have to, okay, so you, whatever you're doing your PhD on, whether it's right. physics, chemistry, mathematics, right. you know, whatever. Yep. Uh, theology, and then even within theology, you yep. have your New Testament, your Old Testament. You have to add add something to the discussion, right? To the field of knowledge that already exists, right? It might be a pebble. Usually, it is. It's just you're adding one more pebble to the, the, the body of knowledge, of knowledge right. that exists on this discipline or discussion, right? And it might not be, uh, it might not be like a totally new idea. It, it probably isn't. It doesn't seem like it's this just m- maybe. It doesn't seem like this macro breakthrough. Right. It's maybe a new way to argue yep. the same type of conclusion. Maybe right. it's a new method that you use right. to discover the same type of truth. Right. So um, what? So what I found with that. Yeah. Trying to get to the chase on a simple level again on the podcast. People are listening. What I found is that again, I'm trying to. I'm trying to be very. Um, not just great. It's not even gracious. Like affirming. Like no, this is a, a, a smart person. There's a place really, for it. Yeah, a place for it to do this great scholarship. Yeah. But what they've done is they they've devoted their life, maybe three, four, five, six, seven years, and then even beyond that in study to this one narrow thing. Mm. And it's and and in that it's become like not everything to them, but a major way by which they're trying to read the world. Yeah. A, a major lens. It's just natural. You're one human being, and you develop this you deep lens, it. right? And it becomes this lens, okay? So, you might, as a PhD person, you're onto something. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's an interesting discussion. Yeah. But it's just one small part of the lens to everything. Mm-hmm. But often it becomes a major deal, and you make it a major deal. You write a book about this. This. I mean, that's what you do. You write this major book about this little thing. And I'm not saying little. It's important, but it's like. If you're not careful, and this is what I find, you begin to read everything through that. Yeah. And it becomes this interpretive lens. Yeah. And so the sociologist said X, Y, Z. Okay, given in a in a specific place, there's there's a certain truth to that. Yeah. You know, there's a certain truth to what you're sharing about dealing with another culture. And there's something in that culture that's different. You know, there's this a lot of discussion about like honor shame cultures in the Christian world yeah. and all this sort of stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. It, and I want to go, it's true. Like if I'm going to talk to um, an 80-year-old person, there's probably some things I have to take in consideration different than uh, Gen Z at 18 and 19. But it's not so fundamentally defined that I, I, I can't communicate with both. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about this. That would mean like even scriptures, even this history of the world that we understand, given God's view, 5,000 years, and all these diverse cultures and all these diverse people, how could you ever navigate any of that ground? Right. But yet God's Word speaks to all of those. Mm-hmm. And so the fact is, yeah, I, I need to take some considerations from this PhD study, but I'm not going to use it as the interpretive lens to interpret everything in a macro way. Right. There's no way. But that's what happens. Well, they're a PhD. They're smart. Okay, yeah, I know. But 
but it becomes this interpretive thing again. That's what mm-hmm. I want to say. Mm-hmm. And so what I run into a lot, and I have the last number of years, is particularly in the evangelical Christian church when I travel and I speak, people are talking about like the latest book, the latest idea. You yep. know, I was told one time I, I couldn't trust my Bible because it was translated by white European males. Yeah. And I want to go, well, where does that come from? Yeah. Like, I know where it comes yeah. from. Yeah, came from a university. But, but I'm told that. Now, I'm, you know, anybody that would say that, I'm, I'm not trying to crush anybody. I'm just saying, think about this. What you're saying and what happens is that becomes this interpretive lens. And, and, and where do you get that? Well, you get that from some sociological study right. of somebody that worked on a PhD who went, who went really deep in this really narrow area. Yeah. And they're basically saying there's some differences in cultures. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. If, if I, like I said, even in my culture, if I'm going to talk to, like, when I'm with you, Sam, uh, you and I go on the campus, we're going to probably talk to 20-year-olds a little bit different than we would 85-year-olds. Yeah. But it's not so radically different that I'm completely removed and I need to read 23 books by sociologists to get at it. Right. It's just, it's just no. Wild. Does that make sense? What kind of it makes perfect sense. So I run into this. I go to I go around and people say, "Oh, have you read so and so?" And it's yeah. the latest book. And, it, and again, currently, it seems like there are a lot of sociologists or psychologists. It seems that way to me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, but like, how many of these books do I have to read? You're saying I can't really communicate with these people. I can't really open the Word of God, right? Because it's been tainted by white European males or whatever, and I need now to study the sociologists so that when I use my Bible, I use it according to this new sociological interpretation. Fine. Yeah, yeah. And see, what the subtlety of there is, is now we've just shifted authority. Right. And we've said, I can't really trust what God is saying here mm-hmm. in a proper exegetical looking at the best interpretation that I can. Um, I can't get there. Mm-hmm. Um, without the help of this, that's the world. The world, the sociologist who's come up with this new study. Yeah, and I've been missing it all. Along. Yeah, yeah. And I want to go. Wait a minute. What that's really calling into question is God's ability to use man. Yeah. You know, um, as men wrote, uh, you know, wrote the scriptures, carried along by the Holy Spirit. There we go. No interpretation comes by man's interpretation alone. Yep. But men carried along by the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. And it's it's Paul in in First Corinthians one and two, you know. Here the Corinthians are going back to worldly wisdom, and he's saying, "Wait a minute, though. Like this message, this message that saved you, yeah, it is a message of foolishness. It's a message of Christ crucified. It's a message of the the King of the world who created all things. He was hung on a cross. That's an oxymoron. That's a contradiction in the eyes of of the Greeks. That's a contradiction." Even among the Jews, like that doesn't make any sense. You're saying the one who created everything died on a cross? Yeah. That's right. foolishness. Right. That's illogical, right. irrational, crazy. Right. right. And he's saying, no, that's the message that saved you. Yes. So it's not by worldly wisdom. Yeah, that's it, not what saves you. Right. It's it's this it's this foolish message of the cross. Yeah, it's a message from God that this is the answer. And how is right. it how do you come to understand it? How how is it revealed to you? Through the Holy Spirit. Right. He's the one that has spiritual to... things are spiritually discerned. So, so I was mentioned earlier that was Second Peter one. Oh yeah, yeah. Second Peter one. Sometimes I get confused with First Peter one. Anyway, it was Second Peter one, but he, he says like you know, um, these men. Yeah. So, so my point is, is I, I trust my trust yeah. my faith is that God is actually there and He speaks through His Word. Yeah. And when we do a uh, adequate job of rightly interpreting, yep. You don't have to. You know, it's not juggling balls. God has 
the full desire to communicate clearly to me. Mm-hmm. There was a doctrine even in the Reformation called the doctrine of perspicuity, mm-hmm. fancy word for just saying it pretty much is black and white. Yeah, clearly perceivable and understandable. Yeah, clear, yep, that's it. Yeah, very good. And uh, are there things I have to work at? I have to look at the words. I have to dig into the you know the grammatical structure? Yeah. Of course. But, but there's a message there that God's intending for me to get. Yeah. And it's not, it hasn't been tainted because of some white European males. Well, right. And we, we fundamentally as Christians have to hold what Paul is saying. We have to hold that these truths are revealed to us through the Spirit. Yeah, it's the Spirit that, that illuminates. Illum- yeah, yeah it's illumination is yeah, what we exactly. call it, right? There like, is a real reality of this. Like, yeah, like that was revealed. Yep. That's revelation. It's given. It's sitting yep. right there. And now it takes the work of the Holy Spirit to illumine that, which means... Put the light on it. Boop. Makes, convince Makes you sense. of it. Like, oh, yeah. this is real. This is yeah. true. Makes sense, right? This isn't foolishness. So anybody who would uh, listen to this podcast it would say, I've actually, I'm actually a Christian, which means I've been truly regenerated, yep. which means I've actually been transformed by God. Yep. My eyes were opened. I was sealed with the Spirit. That's what it means to be saved, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a work of God. Exactly. The Holy Spirit did something here. That's what now, Paul says. Now so there's man, a means. It's not in man to boast. Right. And that what are the means that God uses? The preaching of his word. Mm-hmm. So I have a confidence that when I preach his word, mm-hmm. and again, with integrity, the mm-hmm. best of my ability, actually mm-hmm. saying what this says, God then ordain, has ordained to use that. Yeah. So that's why it's antithetical to that to say I need to read 10 sociology books written by secular men yep. and women who yep. who don't believe anything I believe in order to understand this divine revelation. Like what? Right. Right. It's the most ridiculous yep. anti-Bible thing I've ever heard in my right. life. And that's and it's crazy <laughs> because it's just again, as I travel around, I find people like confused. Confused on it. It's, and, and that's more my point. Like yeah. right now is like I'm I'm sort of sad for people that are confused. Right. I'm not I'm not pulling. And for the up. most part, it's because they had some shepherd, some leader who yeah. led them astray. Yeah. Or didn't make it clear. Didn't, didn't make, make this issue clear. It. That's why I told you when I Return. I said we ought to do a podcast and have some kind of conversation about this, right. because on the other side, uh, on the other side of the scholarship part, is that um, I, I'm also I've been around people who want to just dismiss scholarship. Yeah. Well, we just don't need that. Right. And, and I'm going to go. No, 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 no. There's there's a place for somebody who God is gifted to yeah. think deeply. And in the in our Christian world, if you want to say that way, we would think of this as truly biblical, spirit filled, godly theologians. Yeah. And in a sense, really, well, not even a sense. It's what you're working on right now. Yeah, you you have I'm a gift training to be a, a, a theologian, theologian. A, a Christian scholar. Yeah, and you already have a natural bent towards that, or otherwise you couldn't do it. Right. You, you've been gifted to be a thinker. I know that about you, Sam. I mean, you really have. Uh, but now you have to hone that. You have to yeah. it goes back to our stewardship podcast. Right. Like you actually have to work at that now and yeah. take that that ability. It's like the guy at six foot six, two hundred and you know ten pounds, and he wants to be a power forward for KU. And you go, yeah, you got. It seems like you got some tools that might actually make that work, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. And you know, we joke about that, but you know, the five foot six guy, one hundred and fifty pounds, that comes to me and says, "I'm going to be a power forward for KU," and I'm going to go, "Well, I don't think you have yeah, the tools." Maybe for a that. soccer player. Yeah, maybe something else, <laughs> but not right. Right. So, so, so you have to have. So I'm just saying, in a scholarship, well, it seems like you have. I always talk, call it DNA, but you have these natural abilities but now you're spending the next four five six years professionally if you want to call it that way is that the word professional maybe like sure at developing these skills and this depth as a scholar yep. and you're going to focus training. on training so you're learning lots of things but you're going to develop one narrow 
focus for the most part for the most part and right? you, f- you find that this is what's so fascinating um yeah you know we th- when we think about ministry we think about the pastors being a generalist and it's really yeah like true. an M- like an md and in it, i go to my family yeah, practitioner yep, my physician and he and, it, and if there's some area a little that's bit so, about a lot of things yep a little bit and he knows a lot he's a smart guy yep it's great but if there's some specialty he's going to send me the specialist that's going to go deeper in a narrow area mm-hmm. yep exactly so the same is same this is true with anything in life any right right field of knowledge right science physics chemistry yep. theology mathematics sociology mm-hmm. whatever engineering doesn't matter there's that you have your generalist in that that knows you know a bit about this topic or whatever it is maybe he knows a lot about everything this is where we get the idea of the renaissance man he knows you know he knows stuff on a lot of different fields yeah it's really but, kind of fun yep but nonetheless this is true with ministry as well. You have your you have your pastor, and he is a generalist, and he gets a theology degree. And in this theology degree, he's learning about counseling. He's learning pastoral ministry. He's right. learning about hermeneutics, how to interpret your Bible. He's learning yep. how to preach. He's learning yep. he's learning New Testament theology. He's learning Old Testament theology. Yep. Systematic theology. He's maybe taking some electives in apologetics yep. and evangelism. And, right, and there may be a few of those. That he goes a little bit deeper. A little bit deeper. On, because See, I have it, that in my life. Yeah, you know, yeah. you get around me and like I've spent a little bit more time in evangelism. Right. I have the general degree. Right. And then I've spent more time in evangelism. Yep. Work of the evangelists. I yep. spent a little bit more time in apologetics. Yep. I've actually spent more time in church history in the area of revival and awakening. Yeah. But I would never tell you that I'm the deep scholar who's dove deep, deep, deep. Right. But I kind of know more than just the actual generalist in certain ways yeah. because I've spent time on that. Yeah. Right. Yep. And as I've gotten older, there's certain areas in my life I could say, yeah, there's a handful of areas I've really been attracted to that I've spent a lot of time on. Yeah. Yeah. So right. then. Right. So you got your guy. You got your generalist. Yep. He knows us. You know. He knows stuff about a lot of things in ministry in the Christian world and about his Bible. Yep. Christian. And that's your local pastor. Yep. And then you got your Christian scholar, your Christian theologian. So when you get your PhD in in biblical studies, um. Or, or or just theology in general. You're you're going to specialize in a certain discipline. You're either going to specialize in historical theology. These are your guys that write a PhD on some historical figure, usually, or or a period of time or an event in history. Yeah. These are your church historians. These are your historian types. Uh, they might they might write their PhD on Jonathan Edwards and looking into you know his hermeneutical style or something like that. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, then you have your um, you have your Old Testament scholars. So mm-hmm. they they are Hebrew scholars. They're going to study the Hebrew language really in depth and really well. And they're going to take really advanced Hebrew grammar classes mm-hmm. as PhD students. And then within the Old Testament, obviously we know the Old Testament is a pretty large book. They're going to dive into a certain book of the Old Testament, maybe Exodus. And then they're going to even go further than that. They're going to dive into a, a specific passage. And a spe- likely a specific verse of Exodus, and they're going to read everything that's ever been written on that verse, and then they're going to try to add to the discussion on that one verse. Right. And, and maybe it, it's even and, a word. And <laughs> literally, that deep dive yep. is a three to five year or, f- or longer. Longer project. Yep. And then they Ma- might imagine even... it. Imagine so people listen to podcasts. Yep. You know, most of our lives, we you know we go to work and we read our Bible during the week, and we might read a book here and there. Imagine somebody spending literally years, year, years, five or six years on one verse. Yeah, and it's not like it's, a, crazy. it's not a casual no. four or five, six years. It's a that's what I mean. It's, it's like, like a, a everyday, everyday 
I'm doing eight, I'm ten, reading. twelve hours a day for five years Basically. on one verse. Yeah, it's crazy. Now you have these concentric circles. You have to start. Okay, first I got to start with Old Testament theology. Then yeah. I gotta, then I gotta okay. dig in. Fair enough. Yeah. Right, yeah. So yeah, you're you're kind so, of going down the spiral, building, 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 building. so but that it's you all have, going to the same place, but you spend years doing. Yeah. It, so you can get to this point. Right. Where you can actually add so, to discussion. So which goes to my earlier point, you can understand why a person who does that then begins to look through that lens so intensely because they've spent years doing it. Yeah. So me, I'm I'm a I'm not an old testament, I'm not a new testament, I'm not a historical theology, I'm systematic theology. So what I'm I'm reading I'm reading systematic theologians in church history, I'm reading Aquinas, I'm reading Augustine, I'm reading Calvin, I'm reading those guys. I'm doing a lot of philosophy, I'm reading a lot of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Because uh, a systematic theologian is a very—he's basically your f- philosopher in your in your Christian studies, theological um, theological philosopher or something. Yeah, like yeah, that, that's right? how you would think about it. Yeah. Yep. Because there's a there's a theolo- or a philosophical foundation when you do theology. Right. Uh, anyway, so yeah, all that to say, then you get you get hyper focused on a certain mm-hmm. narrow thing, right. and you write your dissertation on it. And you defend your dissertation, right? And so then you have you have all this knowledge about this very narrow thing, uh, but you also, in general, then have have <laughs> more knowledge on a whole lot of other stuff as well than your typical generalist. Right. Now this is a weird phenomenon that goes on in in scholarship. You'll find that a scholar who who has a PhD who has an expertise on something very narrow, will he'll be introduced to the reality of how much he doesn't know about other things. Right. So though this is, it's wild. Though he actually probably knows more because he, he's he's already bent towards learning. Yeah, he's study. already been gifted as a smart guy. Yeah, so he's reading all the time. Yep. And likely he's reading widely too because he just yeah. finds it fun to keep learning about it. Yeah, things. he likes knowledge. Yeah. yeah, he likes knowledge. So in all reality, he probably knows more about a whole assortment of things than most people. Yep. But because he's hanging out with people who are very precise. Who are very precise and have an expertise on things that he doesn't have an expertise on, though he still probably knows more about that thing than yeah. 99% of the population, he doesn't want to talk about it. And he'll say, you'll Well, hear, because he's very cautious. Yeah, right? he's very cautious. You'll hear a scholar say, that's that's out of my domain of study or my field of knowledge or right. you know my discipline. Uh, right. I don't really want to comment on it. Um, but then, and he's saying that out of this reality of, well, my buddy over here, who is the Old Testament scholar, you know, I'm talking about Christian theology now. Yeah. Yeah. He does have an expertise on it. And I know, I know if it's anything like my expertise in in your area, in my area, then he doesn't know what I know. And therefore then I can deduce that I don't know what he knows. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it creates a certain, you know, the best part of that, if, it, if you want to call it virtuous, is a humility yeah. that says, you know what, I know how deep my little narrow place goes. Yeah. That other guy must go really deep too. Yeah. And I have to be careful about weighing in with him, yeah. thinking yeah. because of the area of knowledge I have, which may be pretty broad, yeah. it may be pretty good, yeah. but I'm not certainly not where he's at. Right. So it creates a certain humility in what you're saying. You've told me this before. The scholars are a little hesitant within... The scholarly world, if you walked in a room much scholars, to weigh in with the other guys yeah. in an area that they know is not their thing because right. the other guy is going to blow them out of the water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, right. Right? Now, 
the flip side of this though is that that reality of this of the world of scholarship and right. scholarship and academics right for your average person you you maybe you could hear that and you go oh no like well then i i shouldn't have ideas on anything right <laughs> i'm not an expert on anything right i haven't read everything and and this is the problem though is it creates this fog it creates this like yep. skepticism it creates this oh I no i just don't know who am i who am i what what do i know i should I, mean, just, like I, the... should, I should just trust the experts yes and and then you go well no you should <laughs> you shouldn't and this is the this is the fantastic thing. It's like okay, yeah, I, doing this PhD. I have a bunch of you know guys that I'm doing it with that I see every week at our residency meetings. Other yeah. guys working on their PhDs, hanging out with these you know these yeah. faculty members at Midwestern and all these guys that do have an expertise. And, and at the end of the day, like it's still the same faith. It's still the same doctrines. It's still the same truths that we've that the church has believed forever. Right. There's really nothing that radically different there's nothing no, nothing right and and that's why we say in in scholarship if you think you have this such this novel idea that's going to change everything well then you're probably wrong they actually talk that way oh yeah yeah and you're probably wrong see and this goes back then to what i'm saying is that you know these 80 year old women that we're talking yep. to they can actually be confident yep exactly that they have a truth and, yep. and again the way i usually say it is a simple a simple way two plus two is four yep you could have the greatest scholar in the world walk in this room yeah. with a stack of books and try to tell me it's seven or three. And they're doesn't gonna, matter. It doesn't matter. They're going to be wrong. I yep. don't care what they can Every call. time. Two plus two is four. And that's why you can have a generalist. Yep. And if they're doing their job, I'm speaking now like yep. the local pastor, they're teaching their people. We could do, some people call it discipleship, but I could see, use catechesis. Yep. You have been given these fundamental foundational doctrines yep. that never change. Never. So, you know, in the scriptures, it talks, you know, pith, uh, you know, I'm thinking of Paul speaking to him. He talks about the faith, using the article T-H-E. Yeah, and body needs, knowledge. Body knowledge, these doctrines do not leave the faith. He's yeah. not talking about, in that case, your personal trust. He's talking about this body of knowledge yep. you've been given. And we can be confident in that. Mm. I can be confident in that. And then that lends me to one other little thought I had about this PhD thing that we have to be careful about. Because a person is really smart, which is great, and they have this PhD, sometimes they will speak in other realms. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Too. It's not their expertise. They're not their expertise. It doesn't mean they're not smart. Right. But they tend, this happens a lot. Well, he's so-and-so. And so actually, technically, in the academic world, when somebody writes a book, um, let, let's say a biologist, you know, yeah, we yeah. know a very popular bio, biologist from the UK, right, who writes a book. When he's in his realm of biology, he is Dr. Richard yeah. Dawkins. Yeah. He knows a lot. But the minute he begins to write about philosophy and theology, technically, he's no longer Dr. Richard Dawkins. Yeah. He didn't get his that PhD way. on that. That's not his specialty. No. Doesn't mean he can't comment on it. It's fine. But we tend to think, oh, he's an expert. Yeah. And people get, oh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. Well, this, this is what I'm saying. This is... And to who, illustrate am I, who am this, I? I guess I just... Um, again, to illustrate those, this, this, yeah. is, this is what was so bizarre to me about the whole COVID thing. Yeah. And we can look back now, and the research is coming out that it was widely mishandled. Yeah. Um, anyway, you had... I, I saw it all over the place. I saw friends. I saw people asking nurses if masks are effective or not. Yeah. And you go... What on earth? 
what makes you think this nurse knows anything about the effectiveness of a mask? Right. What is a mask? Yeah. It's a it's a it's a piece of material yeah. that is supposed to sift out certain particles in the air. Who 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 is the expert on that? It's actually not doctors either. It's well, material when, scientists. Right. So let's stop. Wait a minute. When you say doctors, that's another thing. Again, right. people listen to podcasts, they probably But they're generalists, and then you have to, yeah. When you say a doctor, you mean a physician who is an MD. Yeah. Which means he's a generalist. Generalist. Smart. Nobody's denying that. Yeah. He is, to a degree, a certain degree, a scientist yeah. because he studies general. But, but yep. he is not a PhD Right, a scholar in the narrow world of saying, let's talk about aspiration. You know, yeah, breathing, let's talk about particle particles, size, particle size. How can it go through material? That's and a material. Let's a, let's do studies and tests, different aerosols through these materials, and right. That's a and so if you really want to talk about scholarship, now we need to go to that level. Yeah, and say what does this PhD in that narrow world actually say about particles? Yeah, right. And aerosols going through different types of materials. Material. And what are those materials? Blah, blah, blah. And so this all gets muddled because somebody <laughs> say, well, this doctor says. I'm like, well, he doesn't know he, anything about it. He's an MD. And okay. he's, he's relying on whoever that is that knows about that stuff, what they just tell him. Right. And so he'll just regurgitate information. Right. He knows nothing about it, oh, actually. Yeah. Oh, dude. This, it was such a mess. And many, Then you have the average person who says, well, I, I had people say, well, they're involved with the medical society. Okay, well, <laughs> you know they sell drugs at Walmart, or yeah. they or they you right. know, they stock shelves at Walmart, and they or they're a nurse practitioner or yeah. something. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's great, it's wonderful. I mean, in, in my world, I'm so glad there's people there that are knowledgeable. But because they have that title, doesn't mean that that's their specialty. Exactly. So they got to be careful about what their ability is to yeah. weigh in on yeah. that, right? Yeah. Now, on the other side, though. Saying this is this is where this gets muddy now, yeah, right? Yeah. Because are you saying then that I can't know about vaccines and masks on my own? Yeah. I mean, this recently happened to Matt Walsh, right? Yeah. Like he was in that hearing in Tennessee. He's commenting on men and women. Yeah. You know, this trend trend, you know, destroying these little kids. Yeah. It's just terrible. And some uh politician there said, Well, you know, what gives you the right to speak on this? Yeah. See, because you can go to that side, and mm -hmm. it, that's a mistake, right? Mm -hmm. And Matt's going, um, I'm a man who's moral, and I read, I can read the data. I yeah. mean, I don't know. Yeah. You're saying that I can't weigh in on whether a child should be castrated or not? Yeah. You see? Yeah. So yep. in a summary way, how would, how do we help people make sense of that, though, Sam? Seriously, yeah, yeah. because because I want to make sure it's, you well, got. I, I think you know is, again, it's the idea of a road, and you got a ditch yeah, on both sides. That's why I think, and you got to be careful that falling on a yeah, ditch exactly, either way. So exactly. how would how let's see how people summarize? Can the eighty-year-old woman who says I actually think that God has a plan for men and women, and when I read my Bible, it seems pretty clear. Yep. And I would affirm them. Yeah. It is clear that women are not to be pastors. Yep. And that's it. That's all. That's all. You, that's the only reason you need to have. So that's the point. The point is, is that, yeah, you have, you have a bunch of people doing amazing expert, you know, level deep diving things into different fields and learning mm -hmm. cool things. I mean, look at what we can do with modern medicine and you know, getting into space and putting satellites into orbit, orbit and yeah. you know, nanotechnology and AI, whatever. 
Like all that is due to people going really, 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 really deep yep. in a really, really, really narrow way. And they're gifted. And they're gifted. Yep. And God gave them the gift. Okay, gifts. so again, help me here though. Yeah. I'm talking about the average person listening to our yep, podcast the average right person. now that feels overwhelmed. Yeah. Can they know things? Yeah, absolutely. And so that's the point. We ultimately, the, the Christian reality in the Christian epistemology is that of God has revealed truth. Yep. And it's and it's clear. Yep. Go to Romans 1. Romans 1 is what we call uh, general revelation. God has revealed himself. Yep. His eternal, you know, divine attributes and eternal nature are, are clearly perceived. Perceived. That you can just you sense can, them. You can. Boom. No, I, you don't need to be. You don't need to have an IQ of 160 to right. clearly see yep. that God exists right. in creation, in the things that have been made. Right. So they are without excuse. Right. Okay, that's general revelation. Yep. And then you have special revelation. Yep. Okay, God actually spoke propositionally. Yep. And and it was written down. Mm-hmm. So Carried, that we can read it and learn. Yeah. Prophets carried along by the Holy Spirit. By Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit comes, regenerates us, and then illuminates this word to us so that we can understand. Right. And it's 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 actually pretty easily understood. Right. I mean, if you can read, you can, like read it. Right. I don't, Paul. I don't permit a woman to preach or to teach or exercise authority over man. I wonder what that could mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> <No>. wow. <laughs> the, the drunkards, the idolater, the adulterer, the 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 sexually immoral, the homos, you know those the men who practice homosexuality will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, wow! I don't think I don't know under I don't want, know what this means. This is hard to understand. Right? Like, what do you mean? It's 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 easy to understand. Right. Go, right and wrong, like sin and and righteousness. It's these are obvious things. Yes. So no, you it's not difficult. Right. That's the whole point. God has revealed truth to us. Yes. I mean, man, I will that's yep. why you can have the apostle Paul who was the Pharisee of Pharisees, I mean, brilliant off the charts, studied with the the most brilliant men, uh you know, spoke Greek, spoke Hebrew, all, all these things was a was a Roman citizen. And he can go to Berea, and he can start to try to show Christ in the Old Testament, and they go, interesting. And what do they do? They go back into their Bibles, and they check to see if Paul was right. And lo yeah. and behold, oh, yeah, he's not out of his mind, and he's not, like, he doesn't have access to knowledge because he's so he's so intelligent. Yeah, he is intelligent, but he's just telling us things yeah. that we can see ourselves in the Bible. So here's what's interesting, Sam. <laughs> you say this. I, I remember, okay— um, so you'd have to know what. How long has our friendship been now? Four years? Five years? What have we been hanging out together? Uh, we met in October of twenty seventeen. Seventeen. So uh, it's going to be six years ago this year, or six years this fall. Mm. Mm-hmm. So five and a half years. Yeah. Right. So here's why I say this. So you know, I'm the old guy again. You guys, have hopefully, I've said that enough. We laughed about it, and I'm forty years older than Sam. Um, but I took Sam with me to uh, early on. I got to know Sam, and I just thought, oh, I'm going to hang out with this guy. And I took him to Egypt with me in Ethiopia. Yeah. And I knew enough about you, and we gave you some guidelines. I said, hey, go ahead and preach. Go ahead and speak. Yeah. And I think of a couple things that happened. One is when you stood up speaking, you were this young guy. He said, hey, you know, wear a suit, look sharp, really, so you mm-hmm. don't look, look like too young of a guy, right? And there were some older guys in these countries that were like, hey, wait a minute, this young yeah. guy standing Especially in these African cultures. Yeah, and they're thinking, wait a minute, this young guy stand up speaking. And but what ended up happening, they're like, ah, oh, they were a little skeptical seeing this young guy. But then they hear hmm. 
you preached because what you did is you stuck to the text. Yeah. You said, this is what this means. Yeah. And it was. It wasn't your opinion. It was just you. Exactly. Preach the Bible. And they were like, wow. But within a, you know, a few messages, a few days of them listening to you, they're like, oh. It was actually a, quite an example for them. Yeah. But the example wasn't just a gifted young guy. Right. Though that, that you know, again, I would want to affirm God's doing a cool thing in your life. But it's because you stuck to the scripture. Yeah. So what I found interesting is that we would go over there and we would have these conferences. And again, I would even ask, you know, what makes you think that you're effective over there? And of course, I think it's because we're preaching the word. Mm-hmm. But I said, but I had to answer this question with some people that were suspicious of me being able to trust my Bible. They were the ones that kind of said, you yeah, know, yeah, your Bible was translated by you know, yeah, yeah. European well, males. Oh, so you can't trust it. I'm like, come on now. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, I knew what they're talking about. But the point being is this, is that um, we would preach over there and we would hear from the people on the ground, um, you know, Ethiopians, Egyptians, Sharp people that had, in many cases, even their own uh, scholarship, yeah. a few PhDs, and they'd say, these are some of the best conferences that we've ever had here. Yeah. You know, people that had been doing conferences for 14, 15 years. And, and these are conferences where Sam and I would preach for a whole week on you know, evangelism and missions and church planning and a little bit of apologetics. And some of our more specialized guys in uh, Islamic studies would do apologetics in Islamic studies. Yeah. We would really pretty much just listen in on that. That right. wasn't my specialty, and I didn't even pretend it was. I, yeah. But anyway, the point being is that we would hear time and time again how great these conferences were. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not trying to, you know, say that in a braggadocious way. I'm just like, they would tell us this. So yeah. when people would ask me here in the States, what makes you think? I'm like, well, this is what we hear. What was fascinating is that just like you doing the young thing, I hope everybody's picking up where I'm going with this. Um, we just did Bible. <laughs> Simple the, Bible The first stuff. sermon that I started in every conference was, hey, what, we want you to recognize what you're going to get this week. We believe in the authority of Scripture. Yeah. And I would go to you know my classic Luke 24, but you could go other places and demonstrate the authority of Scripture. Yeah. Like God actually speaks. Yeah. So when we talk about everything we talk about this week, evangelism, mission, church planning, all these things, it's not my program. Right. You know, I would say, you know, I always say the same thing. Not a green book, red book, blue book from the United States. This We're just opening your Bible and showing you that in your Bible, it's right here. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah. You go home like Bereans and read it for yourself. Yeah. And we tell them that. Go study it yourself. Here it is. And it was just amazing that we're in another culture, people from completely different walk of life. They do not know how I live. They don't know about Lowe's and, you know, Menards. And <laughs> I mean, you know, I sort of laugh. I'm like, they don't know anything about the world I navigate in. They yeah. really don't. Yeah. Or how I grew up or, you know, playing ball or the neighborhood, you know, Sandlot baseball team. Or, yeah. You know, they, they didn't know anything of that. And yet... They were just like wowed with this knowledge, and all we were doing is opening the word, mm-hmm. right? Now, do we take into consideration, you know, there are different culture and there are certain things? Well, sure, a little bit of that, but we don't, we don't need to study that for years and come up with, you know, you know, ten sociological studies to figure out that no, this is what this says. Go read it yourself. Right. Right. And remember, I mean, those were the evaluations that this thing was. And I mean, we ended up by packing these places out. Hundreds of pastors and leaders and churches would come listen to us. Yeah. And, you know, from multiple denominations, many different churches representing in a room. But we just said, hey, we're just we're we're here to teach you the scriptures. Right. What's God say here about this particular topic? Yep. And and that's it. And I think that Christians need to be 
if anything, just go back to the Bible. Just be Bible. That's what I'm be saying. Bible be Bible people. people. Just be Bible people, please. And this is, you know, I think about, we've already talked about when we, you know, are ready to ramp up again at KU with our uh, Let's Dialogue stuff on campus. Yeah. Um, but last fall, you know, remember Zora that came up to us? Yeah. And she hit us with all those, you know, the big ones, transgenderism. Man, binary. Are you all that non-binary? Stuff, slavery. Oh, yeah. And I, I find it fascinating. I felt like, you know, we didn't answer as best as we could have. We weren't as concise, concise as we could have been. But I did say to her, well, I go back to my Bible for this. Yeah. And God created male. Yeah. And so you're, and then she said, oh, so what you're saying is like, like, like you believe what the Bible says about this. I don't know. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. So, but something like that. Something basically. like and that. And you, you were like, yeah. 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 That's exactly right. That's what I said. Yeah. And we, every time we went out, went there since, like we were probably there five more times after that. Yeah. We would see her walk by. She wouldn't stop. She would never stop and talk no. to us. And you even said, hey, hey, Zora, that's your name, right? Yep, that is. Hey, you know, good to see you. I'd stop. like to talk to you again. And, stop back. I and mean, we were very friendly. She put yeah. her headphones back on and just kept going. Right. So you wonder about that. Like she was so guns a-blazing, ready to rock and roll and talk to us and ask us the hard questions and want to get yeah. into debate with us. And I wonder, as soon as, as soon as like we were just like, no, let's just go back to our Bibles. Yep. If that was just God, like. God spoke about this. Yep. Like, okay, that's it. Yeah. Yep. It's my defense. And, 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 and again, what I always say, and I don't think I'm, uh, this isn't an equivocation. I always tell people, and, and what my Bible said actually fits the real world. Yeah. Yeah, we could, t- we could throw out the evidence then. Yeah, we can, we can have that evidential discussion on yeah. that. But at the end of the day, no, God said it. Yeah. And so people can be confident with that is what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. And so people listening to me, I guess probably this all comes about, again, you have these people fogged over by all this. I don't know if this helped give people clarity, but you can actually read your Bible. Mm-hmm. Use basic study principles like you would with any piece of literature. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the grammar here? What's this author trying to say? Because you're trying to get to yeah. what's this author trying to say. And again, I would just use the perspicuity of Scripture as, as part of like the Reformation. Yeah. If you didn't the know main that. things, that was a, main that things. was a doctrinal statement in the in the um, Westminster. Uh, refer- uh, yeah, Westminster. Yep. Um, you it, the fundamental realities, Message. yeah. fundamental messages, fundamentally doctrines of the Christian faith which really will carry you to 99.9% of life. <laughs> the gospel. It's very clear. Yeah. It's just so straightforward. But part of that then is, I think this is important to realize, is people tend to have a an optimism about human the human condition, this, this general idea, oh, people are good. Yeah. And you go, maybe, maybe think about that a little bit. And I think that this is where a lot of people get in trouble is is they tend to have this this blind uh, trust and optimism for what people what the news people in the news are saying, what politicians are saying, what the scientists are saying. Yeah, everybody wants to do that. So yeah, everybody so, wants to just say, oh, well, I'm so just and gonna, so says so and so says, and I right. I'm going to have this base assumption that they're a good person and actually have integrity and honesty, and they wouldn't lie to me. <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now. The human condition is is vile and sick. The human heart is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Yep. From it comes all sorts of evil. And 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 so let me add to that then. When you say that, this goes to this issue I was talking earlier about uh, interpretation. Yeah. So you can look at the data points, and I can go, okay, the data is there on the paper. Here's the data. Yeah. I, I surveyed a thousand people, and here's what they say. Yeah. Okay. 
or watch a group of people and draw some data points. Yeah. But it becomes the interpretation. Why am I interpreting something a certain way? Exactly. And that's where the motives and the heart of yeah. mankind comes in, and there's a bunch of goofy stuff there. Right. So the point is, is like what we're saying is, is the, the biblical worldview, Christianity, the Christian worldview, Christian reality, and then, you know, the Bible yeah. is the lens by which you interpret everything. Yeah. And, and a part of that lens then is the reality of man's sinfulness. It's part of the Christian worldview that yeah. human nature, because of the fall, is, is corrupt and broken and that that people are fundamentally pro themselves not pro god not pro neighbor they're pro themselves that's fundamental so the the idea of the of the the lying politician is actually kind of real because actually all human beings tend to lie for their own advantage and that all human beings tend to be greedy and want money because it's the human nature yeah follow the money right follow yeah. the money like so that's that's what's happening now. We'll come full circle a little bit. What, the problem with trusting experts is that you have you have a peer type of research. I'm just going to follow the, the data. I'm just going to do these studies. Hopefully it's a good method, and I'm going to follow the data, and I'm going to come up with some results. I'm going to do some statistical analysis on it. I'm going to do yep. some t-test, get a p-value, graph it, look at it, make a chart. Oh, that, isn't that interesting? Have a hypothesis, test it, whatever. But if you come up with findings and results, what should just be this just run-of-the-mill objective peer, empirical science, whatever, that go against the cultural narrative, this political agenda, yeah, this this morality that is being pushed, and you find something that goes against it, I tell you what, you better believe that because of the human nature – that's not getting published. Yeah. And that's what Jordan Peterson, who is a true academic and yeah. scholar. Yeah. I mean, good night. Taught at Harvard, taught at, you know, University of Toronto for right. a number, a number of years before basically yeah. got canceled. Like he's interviewing all these high level academics and they're all saying the same thing. Right. Like if I publish this, I'll get fired. Yeah. Or one, I it won't get published. Right. So all these peer reviewers who yeah. are supposed to be scholars and experts in this field that test my method and test to see if my research was actually done right, well, it doesn't matter if it was done right. If your findings go against the political narrative, yep. nope, that's not getting published. Right. Nobody's going to see this. It's not seeing the day of light. So what some academics are actually doing now is they're not even doing the peer review process anymore because it's so corrupt. Wow. They're just They're just publishing their works people to see on Substack on newsletters. Yeah, well that's where technology yep. the positive side, right? Positive side. Yeah, they're I saying, just put okay, it out. I, I don't, I'm just going to say it. No, I'm just going to do a podcast yeah. on it. So it's interesting then, Sam. Um I think we already talked about this here and this man, we've been going a while on this. Yeah. Um, oh, we could go forever cuz then we could hold, yeah, that Right. But but I'm just saying the same thing happens and I'm not comparing myself to these scholars. Which by the way, can I throw a little caveat? I think would you use the word caveat? Jordan Peters is a fascinating guy, but we're not saying the man's a believer. No. And we're not saying all of his views represent a biblical perspective. Right. Even though he even refers to the Bible. But we're intrigued by him because he's a thoughtful man. Yeah. And he seems to be following breadcrumbs that are leading him somewhere that yeah. all of us are intrigued about. Yeah. Like a pre-converted C.S. Lewis or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe. Type so, of thing. So I'm just saying, if anybody's listened to us, 
that wonders. It's like we're not endorsing all of these guys' views and stuff. Right. We're just simply saying they in this discussion. Yeah. You know, scholarship, academia, those politics. Guys, yeah, those guys are in in that. So, with that said, though, let me step back then. So, not equating myself to the scholarship of these men because I'm not. Um, but I, I'm saying, and I said it earlier, the same sort of thing happens, though. This is what I'm finding in in the evangelical Christian world that I, you know, swim in, mm-hmm. is if I come in and I say something, it's going against the current narrative, and automatically, yep. like, like and I mean, it's happened to me. Like, oh, you're too fundamentalist. You're too yep. this. You're too that. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. Again, I'm going to say it. I said it earlier. It's, so it's kind of personal for me. I'm like, I'm just trying to be a biblical guy. Give yeah. me your bi- biblical argument. Show me. Right. This isn't theory. This isn't. And then you find yourself again. I said it earlier. I'm just not walking in your forest then. Yep. Because I don't think we're looking at trees, the same trees, at, you know, at, yeah. at just different angles. I literally am not right. on your playing field. And this is, was uh, Gresham Machen, too, in, yeah. the, in the last century, 100 years ago yeah. now. When you think of liberalism... That yeah. came into the church, okay? Liberalism that came right. into the church basically said there's no supernatural and we're going to have it. And it formed a different type yeah. of quote, quote unquote Christianity, if you want to say that, yeah. in different churches. And Machen's point was like, that's not the church. Right. Like, that would be an intriguing book for some people to read because it's not that hard, but it right. gets you thinking in these terms. It was called Christianity and Liberalism, right? Yeah. By Gresham Machen, M A C H E N. If you want to get a book that's not going to bury you, but it. You'll realize what he's saying is that this movement called Christianity is not Christian. It's not Christian. And so I realize they call it church and they call it, and I'm saying the same thing. I'm yeah. saying these ideas are not Christian ideas. No. You're not getting that from the Bible. You're, you're just not. And right. the minute I say that, all of a sudden, oh, you're, you know, it's just interesting because I've, you know, I've got those labels and it doesn't really bother me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe well, because I'm talking about something <laughs> well, might I'm think thinking, it does. I think if I just saw a little clip of, you know, Jeff Durbin, it was a little YouTube short of this this college girl just yelling at them and saying that she's a Christian and that Jesus would hate them for what they believe. Yeah. And 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 he's like, well, wait a minute, but you believe that you can kill babies? And well, and like, it's not it. It's not wrong. And she's yelling. Yeah. And, and Jesus, you know, would disagree with you and blah, blah, blah. And then the guy goes, Durbin. one of Jeff Durbin's friends goes, well, where did you, where did you get your, your view of Jesus from? Or where did you get your, your yeah. view of Christianity from? And she couldn't say the Bible. Right. Society, my friends, my, you know. Yeah. I grew up in this. Yeah. I, I remember. <laughs> so it's like, <coughs> I wait, think I saw it. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, wait a minute. That's the whole point. Like you say you're a Christian, but yeah. it's not. It's not Christian. It's not Christian. In fact, it's not I think from the in Bible. That Dur- I think in that Durbin says, "Well, you're not a Christian then." Yeah, that's what he said. He said, "You're not a Christian." Yeah. Right. You're not a Christian then. Yes, see, I am. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what I'm. Again, that's what I'm talking about. I want to go. No, 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 no. Listen, I'm just telling you the biblical line. Yeah. I'm telling you what the scriptures say on this. Yeah. Now, if you want to go dig into those scriptures and have a discussion and show me where I misinterpreted that, but, but the point again is, is um, I'm finding as I travel. A lot of people, sadly, confused in all this. Yeah, and I want to assure people, it's not just your old school. It's not just you're just from others. Some, if you studied your Bible and you looked at your Bible and you came to a conclusion, and um, there's a good chance that you're right. Yeah, and but you're finding yourself swimming against a tide that's invaded our true Christian people and Christian churches. Mm -hmm. That is not Christian. And here, here's you know we want to. Like I, if I have a headache, I'm gonna go take some ibuprofen. Yeah. And I mean, experience shows me that 
hey, this works. It takes away my headache. I actually have no idea what it's doing or how it works. I'm just trusting yeah. that these guys who and people who invented ibuprofen were doing legitimate and scientific research and study yeah. and did the right tests and trials and went through the right processes that when I get and we can trust the you know the FDA and these these places that vet this stuff like when mm-hmm. I put ibuprofen in my mouth that I just bought from Target or whatever or Walmart mm-hmm. it's going to work and it's not going to kill me right so but where does that come from it actually that whole mechanism of science and technology and all all the stuff comes from a, a Christian worldview that we have integrity in our study and in yep. our research, and we are actually going to follow the the, the facts and the data, mm-hmm. and we're not going to let our our political, you know, all these different stuff. It it comes from Christian worldview. It comes from the fact that you know we have a moral obligation to be honest and true and have integrity right. and just and and elevate human life and protect human life. That's all being degraded. Yeah, that's why in other third world countries that don't have that Christian framework or that Christian yeah. uh, bedrock, it's it's filled with corruption. They never get out of poverty. People, you know, you drive down the street and cops pull you over and you have to bribe them. I mean, how often does that happen when we're in different countries? Yeah. always Our drivers are always bribing the cops. I know, it's crazy. And the cops will pull you over so that they can get money. Yeah. It's just corrupt all the way through. Yeah. And why? Because they've never been totally changed or they've never been totally changed by Christianity or via or considering the American reality, we weren't changed by Christianity. We were founded in a, in a, in a Christian worldview. Right. So that's why we've, for a couple hundred years, have, have experienced what that can create in a society where people have this general level of integrity, Christian integrity. Yeah. So bring, bring that back, Sam. I mean, I'm agreeing with everything you just said. I'm, yeah. trying, to, I'm trying to see somewhere in your mind— that ties to this conversation, though, about well. Here's what I'm how, saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah t- where, t- in, connect in, that in dot uncer- for me. In uncertain yeah. times, yeah, when things are foggy and it does seem confusing, that I can't just turn on my news and go, "Oh yeah, he's speaking truth." Oh yeah, what Dr. Fauci said is is true. He's the expert. Because actually, we've we're, the studies are coming out, and yeah. people, you know, via social media, right. it's actually so integrity good. was lost. Integrity was lost. People weren't telling the truth. Yep. People are lying. They're corrupt. Right. They're... So tie that back to though this discussion of people can trust what God says. Yes, and it doesn't you, mean they're old. No school. matter what, you don't need to listen. No matter to all what the, the all... news is saying. No matter what, you the, know whatever the anybody's late, the saying. Late, the latest scholarship, the latest somehow scholarship, is debunked. Everything else. The Bible is stays the same. Right. God. God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. And Truth hasn't be, changed. You can be Morality confident. hasn't changed. And you can be confident. And you can in be that. confident. And you can rest in it. Yep. Very good. And you can and you can weigh, you can weigh everything else against it. Yep. Is this scientific fact or what they said on the news? Is this new theories, critical race theory that they're pushing in elementary yeah. school? How does that jive? Yeah. You know, yeah, they got all these scholars saying that this is true. Yeah. How does that jive with the Bible? Yeah. Oh, it contradicts the Bible. Yeah. Well, it must not be true. Yeah, and I was thinking earlier. Boom, that's it. That's right. all it takes. Right. Well, I was thinking earlier as we were talking about it, it, it just, you know, when I look, I think of scriptures and... um Hang on here. So I was just, I was, I was just thinking as you were talking, like, you know, just Romans ten. I was thinking again of, of you know, you and I. You know, we're, we're proclaimers, we're preacher, communicator, teachers, whatever you want to call us, evangelists. Yeah. Um, and there's this reality, right? How then? 
can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to mm. them? And even in that, there's all these assumptions that says that if I speak the word of God and communicate it to people, that God will, that is his ordained means to reach the human heart. Yep. And I don't have to study all sorts of new social sciences based in secularism to accomplish that. Yeah. I just don't. Pretty simple. Wow. Well, let's stop there. Man, we jabbed. <laughs> I feel like I have so many things I want to keep saying, though. <laughs> anyway, but... Uh, God, God spoke, people. If you're listening to this podcast, just take this away. You can be confident that God can rescue you. He can save you. Yeah. He will give you his spirit. He will illumine his scripture. Yeah. And use basic, true, interpretive skills that we have to use on anything and say, what is this... What's John trying to say to me? What's Paul trying to say to me? And uh, God can speak through that. Well, and it's just very simple. Yeah. Believe that. Trust that. Read your Bible. Yep. Do your Bible. Be doers of the world. Get into a good church with a pastor who actually believes the Bible. Yep. Literally believes it. Like this is God's word. Yep. Who preaches it faithfully. Be a good Berean. That's what he says. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then, and then, being good Christian community with other people right. who believe that, and, and man, and, will that fix a lot of things? I'll fix a lot of things. And you're going to find yourself swimming against the yeah, current the, of a culture, of course, because we still have an enemy. Yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, all right, <laughs> okay, hour and a half, boom. It's more like what we've been, you know, we used to do. We used to go almost two hours, but all right. Thanks again for listening to the Preaching Persuade podcast. Uh, again, a couple things. Uh, we would love if, if you haven't yet rated the podcast on on Apple Podcasts or whatever you're listening to it. If you could, if you like what we're saying, if you could give us a five star rating, that would be awesome. Uh, that helps with discoverability and and searchability and things like that. So leave us a rating. Uh, also, if you want to support our ministry, you can always visit our website afci.us and and. There's a donate button. You can donate to Dan. You can donate to me. Um, whatever. Uh, but thanks again, and have a great rest of your day, and, and read your Bible. <laughs> Bye. You